Uh, if you have a Bible, we are in Hebrews chapter 4. Just two verses. Chap- chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. My, uh, I, I'm not really big on New Year's resolutions. Every now and then I'll, I'll try and get into them. Actually, before, before I move into that, let me just first say, I was talking to uh, Pastor Dan uh, in our small group, and I, he said, what have you gotten out of this? <laughs> and uh, I know that there's... Uh, Maybe for some of you who are new to the faith or new to this sort of brotherhood, uh, you would resonate with this, but I don't have this in my life. Um, Most of the people in my life don't follow Jesus. And, uh, man, the music, I I know you guys are a bit of an ad hoc group, but for me, it's (laughs) heavenly, man. I just don't get this. So thank you for all of your encouragement and for all those kind words you said. I. I am very grateful, um, and as Ben said, that doesn't happen very often. So really, from just in the bottom of my heart, I, I hope that you can take advantage of the good of the good that you have here. And it was really a, a thing that I was asking for the men to pray, that I would uh, be more diligent in finding local believers that I can really come alongside to. So thank you. It's really been moving for me. Um, so... Um, at the beginning of this year, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have a New Year's resolution because my, my attention span isn't generally that long, but I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I had my Bible out and I even set a timer. I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to give this 30 minutes. I'm going to give this 30 minutes. I was like, actually, you know what? I'm just going to check something on my phone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Has this happened to you before? Oh, yeah. So 24 minutes later, after a YouTube hole, I thought to myself, how is this so difficult for me? Because you, you almost sort of think, this and this, it's unfair. This is always going to win. This is unmatched. <laughs> this is a, it's a, bad, it's a bad competition because YouTube will win. Maybe you've had that same thought. You've, you've done your best. You set your up. You can set a timer like me. And you think to yourself, I mean, is there really anything in here? Is there anything in here better? If you've ever thought like, like me, let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let's pray. Father, I do just thank you for these men. Thank you for 200 male voices singing to you. What a gift that is to me. And so won't you once more 
Won't you, Spirit, come and comfort us and disturb us and remake us and renew us that we might be the men that we've always longed to be? Would you use your word and would you use these men to bring about this foreign kingdom of God to the world? Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I, uh, <clears throat> I've had a bit of a cough for the past week, and uh, if you've ever, for those of you who are married, uh, you know when your spouse gets sick and they just keep coughing and coughing and you keep getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Um, so I was the cougher in the situation. And it was, too, it was getting so bad where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go downstairs and I'll just watch something on TV. And I did what any normal human being would do. I watched a documentary on Taylor Swift. <laughs> you know, it was late. My judgment wasn't necessarily at its top. And uh, I, thought, I thought Taylor Swift was so insightful in a lot of ways. Because what she did is she really broke down, she really broke down what our, what our uh, culture generally says are the most important things. She said that you need to believe in yourself. This is a key tenet. So Islam has five pillars, and Taylor has five pillars. <laughs> believe in yourself. You must throw off all authority and all expectations of others. Tenet number one. Find your passion. The, the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor, he says, in this culture of authenticity, this mindset is based on the romantic idea that each of us has a golden figure at the core of ourselves. There is innately true self which can be consulted, trusted, and gotten in touch with. Your personal feelings are the best guide for what is right and wrong. Believe in yourself. Find your passion. Number three, overworking legitimizes your passion. If you're not working too much, you probably have a job that doesn't fit who you really are, your golden core. Working hard means what you're passionate about matters. Number five, be really thin. <laughs> Get in really, really good shape. Because if you throw off all the expectations of others, and you throw off all the authority, you will be alone. So you better look good, or people won't care about you. So be sure you're working out regularly. Number five, pillar, always be happy. Though happiness is almost always a fleeting feeling, felt indirectly through meaningful love and sacrifice, you must feel this all the time or you're living wrong. It's a high calling. <laughs> I'm not even joking. If you have to work out that much, if you have to find, I mean, I'm passionate about things for about 30 minutes. <laughs> if you have to, your work ethic must justify your life. If you don't believe, the reason why, one of the reasons why we have such a hard time with mental illness is that we look into ourselves as this is, and there's no golden core in there sometimes. <laughs> so why would we choose the scriptures? Aren't they so outdated, archaic, 
oppressive, repressive, maybe Taylor's right. Maybe we should just find our passion. Maybe we should just overwork. Maybe we should just be really thin. <coughs> this passage asks at least three questions. Number one, what is alluring about the Bible? What is alluring about his word? Why is it repulsive? And why does it apply to my life? Why is it alluring? Why is it repulsive? And why does it apply to my life? Verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. The word of God is alive. Uh, I was watching this great... I don't watch late night TV because it's 5 in the morning where I live. Um, but I, I saw this video by Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and uh, basically, he had gotten to the point where he was famous enough where he got a wax statue of himself, kind of going <laughs> like this. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this video. But he found one of his kind of underlings who was just a big reactor. And he knew that if he hid this wax <laughs> thing of himself behind corridors, she would be walking and then get so freaked out. And so they had a hidden camera. And so he just kept putting it behind elevators that he knew that she was about to go in. And so she jumps back and she's so freaked out. Anyway, it's about four minutes. If you're looking for a YouTube hole, it's wonderful. And, uh, and so I was watching it, but the ending is the best part. So the ending is she's been scared maybe five or six times. And then he gets the exact same suit that he has on in the wax. And then he's holding his hands exactly like it. And so sure enough, she rounds the corner, the cameras are rolling, and he's going like this, and she, oh. But she thinks, you know what? I'm going to take a selfie with this thing. And so she puts, the, her, put, puts her, get ready to selfie, and then he moves. And she, ah! And she just like starts hiding under a table, and it's this great moment of, the whole time she thought it was this fake, and, but it was real. Like she thought it was this lifeless nothing thing, and it was alive. And she thought it was dead, and it paid her paycheck. We think this is not real, right? We don't think it's alive. We don't think it's in control of us. We don't, we don't think that it's somewhere we would go to actually get advice. But the scriptures say that it is alive. In Genesis 1, God says that he built the world. In Hebrews 1, it says, by the word of his power, he upholds it. In, in 1 Peter 1.23, it says, he can make you into a new person. That there is power in this word. Real, authentic power. And that it will not return void, but will accomplish its purposes. Proverbs 30, the word of God is flawless. It is like a shield for those who take refuge. In it. Is that how you think about this? Man, it was so good for me to think about this because oftentimes I'm so caught in the smallness of the way that I look at the scriptures. Because we think of it as this 
negative thing that we're putting on top of our people when we teach them the Bible or when we teach it to our children. That it's like this yoke. But it's something that's alive and active in the world. Now, if I can have three brave people to trust me for five minutes, I'm going to make you guys props. I have three guys to come up here. Yeah, come on up. One, two, three. Great. All right. So uh, there's a pastor, Australian pastor named uh, Mark Sayers. You'll be freedom. You'll be meaning, and you'll be community. You guys can just sort of line up, line up right there. Thank you. Perfect. And show your good placards. And now what he says is that everyone needs each one of these things to have an important life. We all need freedom, we all need community, and we all need meaning, right? So, ha if this is maximum, we put it up, and this is middle, and this is, keep it down, that's minimum. Let's just, if there's anyone from North Korea in here, forgive me if I'm offending you, but let's go through a little thought exercise. Where, if you, if you lived in North Korea, where would freedom be? Low. Low. Where would community be? Higher, yeah. And where would uh, meaning be? Very high. Very high. Yeah. So, and now, okay, back to reset. <laughs> and they're a little bit like, they say levers. How do you say it here? Levers, right? Levers. Levers. Sorry. <laughs> uh, they're a little bit like levers, right? If one goes up, one goes down. If one goes down, one goes up. Now, in our culture, what do we prize the most? Put it up. What about meaning? Middle. Middle. And what about community? Bottom. Bottom. Bottom up. Now, the higher this goes, the happier we are, right? In theory. All right, you can put that back, back down. All right, give, give all these guys a big hand. Give all these guys a big hand. The reason why I wanted to show these for you is that oftentimes we have idealized this as the only thing that we need. But if you only have freedom, if you've only thrown off the shackles of the, of the expectations of your wife, if you've only thrown off the authority of uh, the state trooper of Wisconsin, um, you are not, you're not in a necessarily a better place. The higher and the unbridled this goes, the more the inevitable the inevitability of secularism happens you become lonely the higher your personal freedom is the worse of a friend you are if dan jackson calls me up at 2 in the morning he's like i need you to come something horrible has happened and i roll over and turn it off he's not going to call me back well, I got my personal freedom. I got my sleep. You see, if you want a life filled, filled with joy and purpose, we have got to bring this down. And the fast track of how to do that is to begin to have a master. A good master that gives us real meaning. The word of God is it makes, it is, one of the reasons why it is so alluring is that it is authentic. It is authentically from God and is authentically alive. And it leads us to an authentic life. Uh, Nietzsche used to say, if you have a good why, 
you can handle anyhow. If you have strong meaning in your life, if, if, if you could say anything about Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus right now, if you could say anything about him, any, everyone would agree he had a very, very meaningful life. And he defined his life by being constrained and pledging his allegiance of love to scoundrels. His life was a life full of joy and the happiness that our culture longs for, but it is always through sacrifice and it always through binding yourself to something that you have true meaning. Don't you want good friends? I mean, not like friends, but good friends, a real community behind you. You have to lower the amount of freedom in your life. You know who I want. I, you know who I want to have as a friend. A buddy of mine always says, "There are different. There's a difference between friends, and friends will help you move." Yep. <laughs> who who can you think of who tomorrow, if you got a job in Mexico and you had to leave, or if I persuaded you to move to England with me, who would help you move? That's your friend. Because they get nothing in return. They get nothing except a large hole where you used to be in their lives. You have to put this down. And one of the best ways... To, to limit, to in some way control where your freedom goes is by taking on the word. You see, uh, there's a Christian rapper by the name of N.F. And he says, if, in one of his songs, he says, if you want love, you're going to have to go through the pain. If you want love, you're going to have to learn how to change. If you want trust, you're going to have to give some away. Friends, if, if this is really alive, if it's really active, and if it was really designed for your good and for the glory of God, that's why it's alluring. It makes us authentic because it is the authentic word of God. Number two, why, why is it so repulsive? It says that it is sharper than a double-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning of the, discerning the thoughts and tensions of the heart. I mean, just sort of think. You can't really use calculus on this one, but division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, it's getting to the, all the intimate parts of our flesh and our soul and everything in us. It, it knows us, and it knows how to expose us. And the reason why we don't like it is that it opens us up when we don't want that. In Ephesians 6, it says it's like a sword, a sword of the Spirit. In Jeremiah 23, it says it's like a fire, like a hammer that breaks rocks. But the thing is, there's something about our culture that, all, that, that really rejects that and also loves it, Right? We want to see the powerful and the wicked exposed as wrong, right? So the Me Too movement, we're wanting to see these men in power that are corrupt. We want to see them be brought to the ground. We want to see the wrong in the world. We want to see it laid bare. We want the hidden cameras in there, and we want it to be totally exposed. There's a, there's a, 
a literary idea called deconstructionism or deconstruction. And essentially the premise of it is that in a literary term <clears throat> that let's say uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote a, a letter to Josh and I gave it to Josh and in this letter I, I told him something. And a deconstructionist would say, my intent of what I want Josh to know is not as important as what the reader reads and gets out of it. So essentially what it's saying is, what's the most important is not the authority of the author or authority of the office, but what the other person is going to get out of it. So blow that up into system-wide. It's not necessarily important the position of institutions or traditional power, what's important is what we think. And so basically, if everything is a hammer, or if you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail. So we want, we want to expose uh, education. We want to expose politics. We want to expose the church. And some of those are really great. But the difficulty is we expose and we humiliate. So we're terrified oftentimes. So we don't share about our faith because we, we're so afraid to be humiliated. I, there's a good friend of mine who I was talking with. And if you've ever had a, a friend who asks questions that you don't necessarily want to answer, um, this was this guy. So he's a, he's a trained counselor. And we were just talking and, and uh, he asked me a couple questions. And I thought, okay, that was a little personal, but whatever. <laughs> And then the third and fourth question, I started to sweat a little bit. And by the sixth question, he could tell I was very uncomfortable. And he said, Stephen, do you want me to stop? And I said, please. Please stop asking me these questions. Because he only wanted to expose so that what I could share would be healed. You see, oftentimes our culture loves the exposure, but it only leads to humiliation. This, the amazing part of the scriptures is they, yes, they break you open. They shed light on that which is in the darkness. But so that you might be healed, so that you might be whole, so that you might be renewed, so that you might be the man that you've always longed to be. This is what the scriptures are about. Don't you want to be known like that? Enjoyed like that? And healed in that way? And I, I just, it just it makes me think of our, of our very Lord Jesus as well. That there was something about his love for us that led to him being exposed to the world. That some people would say that on the cross he was completely naked, completely humiliated, completely exposed so that you could be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that you could be given the, the, the robe of honor, and he gets the exposure and the shame of the wicked, that all the right things that, that he's done in his life, and all the rotten things, if you wrote them down and you had them in another book, and he swaps them and says to the Father, you treat him, you treat, you treat these men as if they had lived my life. And treat them, treat them as if they have lived mine. You see, he exposes to heal. I don't know if you've caught uh, Deontay Wilder, who just got beat by Tyson Fury, so the Brits are very excited right now. In boxing, 
but uh, he's supposedly he's not a very good boxer. And uh, but no one would ever count him out because they he would lose all the rounds, but they would call his right hand the eraser. <laughs> he can lose ten rounds and not be out even close because the right hand erases all the wrongs of the whole boxing match. The amazing part for us is that Jesus is our eraser. He does all the work and we get all the praise, all the good. He is the eraser of all of our sins. He exposes it, yes. This is why we want to talk in groups about all of our sin and all of our problems and all of our loneliness and all of our, all of our drugs because we only do it because he says, you come. You come to me. You, you, you come on. I know how to deal with all that. He exposes it to heal. We, we, we're repulsed by people when they expose us. But Jesus is doing it so that you might be whole, that you might be healed. There's, a, there's at least two applications from this. Number one, uh, there's a, a, a psychological idea of, a, of an imposter syndrome. I don't know if you've heard this. It's basically, psychologists have gotten together and, and basically said, it seems like everyone feels like they're faking. That when they walk into the room, they feel like I'm the only imposter. And everybody else is qualified and confident. Because oftentimes, we are very aware of our shortcomings technically, of our shortcomings relationally, of our shortcomings positionally. But if you are being constantly exposed by the word, if you are being constantly laid bare and constantly healed and constantly laid bare and constantly healed, when someone comes to you and say, man, you're really arrogant. You think to yourself, brother, you don't know the half of it. Let me tell you. <laughs> because when we come up to the scriptures, we see we see in him something lovely. So when your wife exposes you, even when your children expose you, when your roommate exposes you, you think to yourself, oh, this is just the next lap around the track. If you've been so exposed by the word, you can be laid bare to the world. You can be taken advantage of. You can be wronged. Because you know at the end of the day, you've wronged Jesus, and he takes you back, exposes us. It is the authentic word of God. It repulses us oftentimes because it exposes us. But why is it applicable to me? Verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. One commentator said, this is distinct. <laughs> this is not, <laughs> this is not not listening to your mother. And one guy said, this is saying, don't trifle with him. Uh, I, I saw this uh, bumper sticker when I was driving, uh, this was a few years ago now, but it said about uh, it said, it's not a relationship dummy, or it's not a religion dummy, it's a relationship. And basically what they were saying is, in following Jesus, you can have a relationship with him. 
But oftentimes in our culture, we have so brought Jesus down and so made him our friend that we haven't, we have forgotten that he is a king, that he's the emperor, that you must take off your shoes when you're around him. You see, this says that you're going to have to give an account, that one day you will stand before God himself. And nobody likes this. Nobody likes this idea. You know who really don't like this idea? White people. Come on. White people really don't like this idea. But you know who love, you know who loves this idea? Oppressed people. Mm-hmm. Broken people. Wronged people. People who have suffered. Suffered unjustly. You want to get a lot of amens and a lot of raised hands? And talk about the judgment of God. Find someone that is being oppressed right now and tell them one day, all these people who have wronged you, I'm coming for you. Uh, There's a very famous rapper in uh, Britain by the name of Stormzy. So just imagine Stormzy. I, I take the bus a lot and I take the tube, which is like a train, underground train. So let's say Elon Musk who's Tesla, Stormzy, rapper, uh, and let's say Aaron Rodgers, because I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> For some reason, Aaron Rodgers is over there. <laughs> and so I get on the bus, and I sit down with them, and I say, hey, what you guys doing in here? Right? These guys don't take the bus. These guys don't have to pay a pound 20. They buy buses. They buy planes. They buy cars. They don't belong here. They don't... They don't deserve to be treated like me. <laughs> no, no, they, they deserve to be flying through the air much quicker than this. Because we know in our world, there are normal people, and then there's Elon Musk, and we get treated very differently. There's Stormzy, and there's me. There's Aaron Rodgers, and there's me. But not in the economy of God. Everyone gets judged. It is the democ- it, it, it democratizes Judgment. Everybody is the same. And if you're beat down and you're broke and you're broken, you love it. You long for the judgment of God. And this word is the word by which we will be judged, brothers. And if it's true, there are a number of applications, but at least two. Number one is you're not going to need to have vengeance on others. If those people that have wronged you are really not the enemy, you can leave them. God says, leave room for my vengeance because he's going to get them. Number two, we can tell the truth to everybody. If this really is the sword of the spirit, if there is something about this word that is actually alive, you can tell it to little children and you can tell it to queens. You can tell it to your boss and you can tell it to the people you work for because it is for everyone. And everyone will sit under its judgment. But thanks be to God that though we were called to a greater life, we have missed the mark. We have sinned against God. This is not, this is not what we were wanting to do. We were wanting to follow him. Maybe you, you're falling short of these things, but the, this word has a, a, a trap door. That when we strive to love it, when we strive to follow, and then we watch YouTube for 30 minutes, he still loves you to come back. 
to, to have the authenticity of his word, to be exposed by it, only to be healed. We will be judged by it, but thanks be to God that there is one that has gone ahead of us. Amen. That one day, not because of our good works, as our brother said, but by the blood of the Lamb that washes away the sins of the world. Don't you want to have a constraint on your life like that that leads to a life full of meaning, full of joy, full of purpose? And I know this freedom is scary to give up. It's so precious in our culture. Everyone tells us to do it, even Taylor. <laughs> but maybe, just maybe, this is the word that will heal you, that will expose you, that will make you an authentic person that can stand before God in the throne of grace with confidence. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and how hard you have worked to give it to us. And we thank you for your love that's going to go on forever. And thank you that this is just a foretaste of the good things to come. Bless my brothers. Make them kings. Give them courage to go get other people and to lay down their lives. And as they do it, with this in their arms, the loving and enduring word of God. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen.